You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. We're shaking the story that you're just getting by and stepping into who God made you to be. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Thrive. If life feels like one big circus act where you're always the main juggling act, today's episode will breathe new life into your soul. Number one national bestselling author, speaker, and business coach, Christy Wright, is here to completely shake up how you view balance, and it will change your life in the best sense. In today's episode, we're talking godly time management tips so that you can link arms with the Holy Spirit and feel true peace in whatever season you're in, getting the right thing done at the right time. Christy beautifully and vulnerably pulls back the curtain on real life behind the Instagram highlight reel in a way that'll have you saying, gosh, me too. She also shares practicals for figuring out your priorities and process with each changing season, as well as tips for feeling more present and comfortable when you get there. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Christy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. Yay. I am so happy you're here. Oh, Christy, we have wanted to get you on the show for so long. So I'm stoked to finally make it happen. You are, you're such a godly gal. I love that. We just, before we even hit recording, you were looking for your AirPods and they're at church. It's really, <laughs> they're at church. They sure are. It's very, it's very on brand. I know. Thank goodness for find my, find my devices. Cause I'm like, who knows where they are? Well, at least my iPhone can tell me. <laughs> They're in a good place. They're in a good place. Um, But you're someone that everyone can look at, I feel like, from the outside and right away think, wow, she does all the things. She has it together. Um, But for anyone not familiar yet, you are a number one national bestselling author, a speaker, and a business coach, and a mom of three. Fill in the gaps for us here, though, and give us the lowdown on who Christy is and what people might not know from seeing everything all pretty and polished on the outside. Oh, you're very kind to say that. Well, before we started recording, literally just an hour ago, before I put my makeup on, um, I was crying in my car. And so let's just like, I just want to normalize that we all have good days and hard days and mountaintops and valleys. And um, to be totally vulnerable, I just am in this season. If, if anybody listens to my podcast, Get Your Hopes Up, I've been telling a little bit of this story week after week of how God has me on this journey of faith, where he has showed me for months, Erica, that I... I there's this house I really believe that he's told us we're going to move to. Um, the house is not for sale. We cannot <laughs> afford it. And the owner's not interested in selling minor details, minor details. Um, but it's been this faith journey. And and I was just, um, actually I used Marco Polo to keep up with friends and I was Marco Poloing this morning with some friends and I was like, I'm just so discouraged. It just, I'm so discouraged. You know, you, you plant a seed or God, God plants a seed in your heart and it can feel like an eternity of just watering dirt. And you're like, is that seed even in there? Is that ever going to sprout? Is it ever going to turn into something? And so I just want to say like, you know, if you go to my Instagram right now at Christy B. Right, I've got on makeup, I've got on cute earrings, a blazer. And I'm like, y'all, I'm going live for podcasts. And, oh, I just created this new free resource for you to help you create content. If you go to ChristyWright.com, here's your resource. And they wouldn't know that an hour before I recorded that, I was crying in my car going, God, where are you? And so I just want to normalize that we're all, 
real people and we have real struggles and you can love the Lord and still doubt. And you can have lots of good things in your life and still be overwhelmed by all of the good things in your life and just be like, Oh, I can't do it all. My house is a mess. And what am I even doing? And so I just, I just want to normalize. We all have all those feelings and and I do too. I'm definitely not immune to that. Yes. Oh, that is so good. Especially when it comes to, I'm so glad you called out social media for that because I'm sure we've all fallen into the comparison trap and it's such a pit to be in, but then I think it really helps to kind of take that step back and remember, okay, even all of those things that you posted on stories, myself too, it might be a total of like two and a half minutes of somebody's day that you're seeing. And I think we all can get so hung up and focused on looking at these things and thinking, oh, this person has it all together, or they, they are living the high life, living their dreams, making it all happen. They don't have all of these hardships, but when you think about it from, hmm, okay, but how much of this person's day am I truly seeing? And besides the fact that it's an intentionally posted or kind of curated thing, even for the most, even for the most vulnerable sharers among us who still keep it real and post all of the authentic moments too. Um, I think that's just a good man, a good perspective to have, especially when we're all already having a hard time ourselves in our valleys and comparing it to other people's perceived mountaintops. Yeah. And I think it was, um, and this is just a good reminder for, you know, content creators or influencers or anybody that puts out content for a brand or business of any kind, you know, it's a good reminder. I think, um, it was Craig Rochelle that said, people will be impressed with your success, but they will connect with your weaknesses. Um, and, and so I think that that's just such a good word because, um, as an example, last October, I was in, to just be totally blunt, I think I was depressed last year. I'd gotten a diagnosis for my son. I had, we had to um, help our nanny find a different job, a nanny of five years. She's very much a part of the family. Um, I left my job of everything. Like it was just this, this perfect storm of just, I mean, it sent me into a pit that was really mm-hmm. hard to pull myself out of. And there was one particular night, <clears throat> it was a Sunday night, which I don't know if any of the moms feel like this, but Sunday nights are hard. It's like, I, I know that I should love all the, all the time with my children, but by Sunday night, I'm like, I need y'all back in school. Cause you're wearing me out. <laughs> you're wearing me out. And so I was, um, standing in the bathroom. My, um, daughter was refusing to get in the bath, screaming her head off naked, refusing to get in the bath. My son was yelling in the other room about something and who knows what else was going on. And I just looked at myself in the mirror and I just looked so discouraged because I was. And as I saw my reflection in the mirror, I thought, no one knows this side of you, Christy. They only know confident Christy on stage, you know, kicking butt, taking names, you know, inspiring people. There's not a challenge too big for me. Like I'll just take on anything. And I thought they need to see this side of you. And so I snapped a picture of myself and I just posted this caption that was like, this, this is a very discouraging season. And that post, I was super scared to post it. I was super vulnerable. It was super just, you know, you're nervous and it took off and connected with more people than anything I think I've ever posted. Um, And I think it was just so many mom that are sinking on Sunday nights going, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. It's not because... I offered, here's your three steps to pull yourself out of the pit. I would love those three steps. I mean, I've got ideas. I've got like, for example, I've got a, um, a devotional uh, on my website that is seven days to stop feeling discouraged. And those are practical things you can do to kind of help yourself, but there's not a perfect solution or perfect formula for it, but it was just the connection of going, you're not alone and you're not doing anything wrong. Life is hard. Parenting is hard. Sunday nights are hard. Bath time is hard. And something about the feeling less alone, I think just gives hope to people and it makes them feel like they're not a failure. It, It helps them. Yeah. Just have hope in the community of it. And so I think that 
when we can share those times, you don't have to share every bad day. You don't have to share every air, all your dirty laundry. But if you just consider like, is there an opportunity for you to connect with people over your bad days and your weaknesses, in addition to the success and the shiny moments and the bright lights and the blazers? Um, I think it just lets them see you're a real person. And honestly, even though you don't do it for this, it builds trust because they're going, wow, I can trust this person. They get me. They're like me, you know? Yeah. I think being able to just kind of highlight to people too, that they're not alone is always so important. Even for, even if you're not for anyone listening in, who's not a content creator or influencer or whatever you want to call it. Think of how many times I think we're like, you pass, you know, your neighbors in your own neighborhood or your girlfriends and everyone kind of goes right into the, the almost scripted, like, Oh, how's it going? Fine. How are you? Great. And everybody has this sort of high vibe, like mask almost that we wear to be a certain way. And it's how rare is it that you actually say to people, you know what? I'm really discouraged today. Or like, Oh, it's a, today's a rough one. I could use, I could use some prayers or I could use help here or there. Like oftentimes I think we don't even allow ourselves to be vulnerable with people who might also be craving that same connection, who might also be in a similar season or a similar position. And we're almost like, we almost miss an opportunity to connect with people on a deeper level in that way, because we're, we end up being more concerned with, well, how does this look and how we don't want to bother people with our, whatever, or whatever narrative we have going on in our brains. Or we don't want to get labeled as negative or a complainer, yeah. or we don't love our kids. You're totally right. It's not just social media. It's not just content creators. I mean, I think even I'll be in the grocery store and I'll see a mom with a child that is just melting down. And I literally, I, I know this sounds weird, but like, I feel better because I'm like, oh, it's not just me. It's not like I'm just a bad <laughs> yeah. mom that has a child that melts down in the cereal aisle. Cause I won't get them 15 types, you know, it's like, but then it's also a good reminder for us that we can take those opportunities to connect with people and, and give that grace when we're in a season of, you know, maybe more strength or whatever. So like, for example, when I see, you know, I was at a birthday party for one of my kids um, recently and this man's son was just bananas. Like he was bouncing off the walls. He was terrorizing everything. And honestly, he was acting exactly how my middle son that has special needs acts. And you could just see in his eyes, he was so, he was so tense between trying to control his child and trying to keep on a happy face and not seem like a bad parent and whatever. And I went over to him, I go, this is me every day. Don't even apologize. I go, you don't need to apologize. This is me every day with my son. I see you. It is so hard and you're doing great. You're doing great. And it was like, just to like, to the mom in the cereal aisle, to the mom that looks tired, to the mom that you made lunch plans with. And you sense that like, she's overwhelmed Go, Hey, you got a free pass. Hey, let's just cancel. Let, let me give you an out. Like just extend grace to people before they even know they need it. It's just an opportunity for us to be hope and light in the world when you're, you're right. Some people are too scared to ask or show that side of themselves. It's like, as we're aware of our own need, gosh, we can just extend that grace to others before they're even aware of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and speaking of different seasons too, and how these things shift so much, I know we're talking all about time management together today too, especially when it's managed in alignment with the Holy Spirit and also balance and all that good stuff. And I feel like both of those topics are things that it's so easy to, to, to kind of fall into that comparison to other people and look at people and go, oh my gosh, how are you doing all of the things? How are you managing your time? How are you balancing all of this when we look inside our own homes or inside our own hearts and feel like we are absolute chickens with our heads cut off? Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's important to shout out right from the start here that they, both of these things, time management and balance 
will look very different between each of us, but also between seasons, even in our own individual lives. And I mean, hey, I have a newborn of my own right now and a four-year-old. So things have been redefined <laughs> yeah. I feel like daily, let alone right. weekly. Um, but this theme of giving yourself grace as we're giving others grace too, while navigating all of this, I feel like that's also a really good thing to just highlight mentally stamp and just mention again, before even diving deeper into it, just because those are like, they both require so much grace for yourself and for other people, because there's such these, there are such individual things to figure out. And they, they are dynamic things that change with every season, basically all the time. Yeah. And it's interesting because as I've been teaching on life balance for over a decade, because I was booked to speak on this topic, honestly, before I was even, before I even had kids. And so this is this topic that I've studied, but it, it obviously takes on a whole new meaning when you have your own stretches and strains and, and pulled in all the different directions. So yeah. I think that, I think that this is a topic that let's just start here. If this is okay. I think it is a topic that is drastically misunderstood. And yeah. what I mean by that is we are trying to solve the, um, the surface level issues, and we're not getting to the root symptom. We're not getting to the root um, cause of what's going on. And so what I, when I wrote my book, take back your time, this was in 2021. It was um, right before I left Ramsey. Ironically, I launched the book and then God called me to leave. But when I wrote this book, my whole purpose of this book was to redefine balance because even yesterday I was on a podcast interview and the, um, the host was asking me like, well, you know, how do you juggle it all? And how do you, you know, it's like the spinning plates. We just got to keep them spinning. And I was like, actually you don't. So yeah. let's just, let's just, let's talk about the the analogies we use for this. We use juggling balls, spinning plates. Um, some balls are glass, some balls are rubber, which balls can you let bounce on a Tuesday? Like this whole imagery is a circus. And that is the reason we feel like our life is a circus because the standard we're trying to meet is just being a really good juggler, a really good circus performer. And I don't know about you, Erica, but I don't want to live in a circus. I don't. Definitely not. And my life, it feels like a circus anyway with three children. They are the traveling circus. So like anything I can (laughs) calm down or control or minimize or simplify, that's what I want to do. And so so I want to give people, just as we kick this off, I want to give people a different image, okay? Instead of thinking of, how do I juggle all the balls and keep the right ones in the air and choose which ones I let drop when I, I can't even figure out which ones I'm going to catch next. Okay. What if we had a different image? Okay. Just imagine that you have a weight rack, like anybody that's ever been to the gym or, or seen weightlifting, you've got a weight rack and on that weight rack, you've got all these balls and they're weighted balls. And you choose in any individual season, which we'll talk about seasons, which is really important to this. You choose which ones you're going to pick up and just hold you're just going to hold them. You're going to pick up the amount that you could hold, which is probably two. Maybe if they're lighter balls, maybe you might be able to hold like three or four, you know, but, but you're going to hold the amount that you could hold. You don't have to keep them flying in the air and worried if they're going to drop in which direction are they going? And your eyes are darting all over and you're running and your heart is racing. You're just going to hold them. And the others, you're going to sit down in this season. And you know, that just because you've sat them down in the season, doesn't mean you're never going to pick them back up again. You're just not picking them up in the season. And so the reason I talk about this is because it just reduces the stress, the anxiety, the rushing, the worry, the the frantic trying to keep it all going like a circus. And instead say, I'm going to choose in this season what's right for me. So let me give you an example of what this looks like practically. Let's take the visual of the balls we sit down and the balls we pick up and hold, not juggle, but hold in any given season. Okay. In um, summer of 21, 
I was, it was a lighter season. Work was lighter. Um, naturally there's just less going on. And so I would call that a season where like, you know, the balls are lighter. So I was keeping my house somewhat clean. I was working out. I was seeing my friends. I was getting work done. You know, I, I was in seminary. Those are all things going on in that season. So that was maybe like, you know, four or five balls that I was able to hold at that time. Um, you fast forward to the fall. So you flip a switch in August of 21 and I go into book launch mode. That is a heavy ball. That is a really heavy thing to hold. It is time consuming. It is energy consuming. It is important. It is, it is a, a time sensitive thing because it's a very specific season. And so what that looks like practically is I set down all the balls that I was holding in the summer and I'm only picking up two balls. One was launching my book and the other was seeing my family. And so I'm going to be a good mom to my kids and I'm going to launch the book. So these are the two things I'm going to hold in this season. So what's so beautiful about realizing what is important in any given season, what are the balls you're holding? What are the things you're going to focus on? What are the priorities in that unique season is it gives you permission, not only to focus on those things, but it helps you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right in that mm -hmm. season. So the balls that you're sitting down in that season. So the question I give people, which if you were going to summarize my whole book, take back your time into one question, it's this question, what's right, right now, what's right, right now. What's right in the season? What's right is this week? To your point, what's right today? It may ebb and flow and change, but it gives you permission to focus on what's right and do it and be present for it. But it also helps you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. So in the fall of 21, when I'm launching a book and that's top priority, and then being mom when I'm not on the road launching the book, I walk through my house and it's a disaster, Erica. I'm stepping over toys and clutter and piles. I'm not beating myself up. I'm not yeah. telling myself I'm a failure. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad person. I go, girl, that's not right right now. You step on those toys <laughs> and keep going. I didn't see my friends that fall. I didn't work out that fall. We ate takeout that fall. And I wasn't a failure that fall because I decided in advance that balance or, or success in that season is launching my book and being a good mom to my kids, a present mom, being there for them. So all the balls I set down, it didn't mean I never pick them up again. They just weren't right, right then. And so when you give yourself permission to do what's right right now, you not only can focus on it, enjoy it, be present for it and be successful in those things that are important in this season, the balls you're holding, but it helps you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. Yes. Oh, that is so good. I feel like I was so worried about this personally too, before having my second baby, because I was thinking, I mean, I was like, okay, I work from home. My husband works in an office and I was automatically, my brain was going, okay, well, what's going to happen to my business and how, how am I going to still, I know it's going to change, but how is it going to change and how am I going to be able to keep up with it? And is, am I going to lose everything because I'm focused on this? And before, before actually having him, I think my brain was going right to how do I juggle all of these at the same time? And it was funny because then once I actually brought him home, it was so much easier to actually let that go and focus on exactly that and, and just, and go, you know what? No, it's going to look different right now because my focus is him. And right. I caught myself, I caught myself apologizing to some people when I would be replying to an email, like a week, a week and a half, maybe even yeah. two weeks after receiving yeah. it going, I'm so sorry. I just had a baby. And I felt so blessed to have a few people respond and actually say, why are you apologizing? Like there's That's no right. need to apologize. That's this right. is that is 100% the priority. That's what's important. And this conversation, it can totally wait. Like it's, it's right. going to be here. <laughs> Whether you exactly answer right. it now or a month from now, like it's okay. 
So that's, I think that's, but sometimes I think we need to hear it from somebody else to say, you know what, like, I know you're trying to do it all, but here's your permission slip. You really don't have to. And honestly, you shouldn't be trying to do it all because it's not all going to be getting the attention it deserves right now. If you are still trying to frantically scramble to, to somehow touch everything when you just, right. you just shouldn't be. Well, it's such a great point. I love how you said that of giving people permission because us giving them permission, like we said, giving them grace, giving them an out, like that can be so powerful to just set people free and just, um, yeah, give them, give them a weight off their shoulders. But the other thing we can do that just came to mind is we can model that and to yeah. swim up current in a culture that is just running hundred miles an hour and talking about how they're failing all the time and being so busy and all that. It's really hard to swim up current. But what's so interesting is when you swim up current, people notice because they go, why is that fish swimming in a different direction? Like, what are they doing? Like, that's so interesting. It stands out. So I have the, I always use this example, but I have this um, mentor Eve and she um, was a mentor from Young Life and she's mentored me since I was like, you know, in, in college. And one of the things that just blows me away about Eve is Eve is so comfortable in her own skin. Like she's older than me. She's got kids that are grown. But like when you're around her, there is this ease about her that she's not trying to perform. She's not trying to impress you. She's not trying to be super busy and productive and important. She's she's not, she's not, she's nothing to prove. And there is something about genuinely, genuinely, there's something about just being in her presence that invites you to do the same. She is so at ease with herself that it literally makes your shoulders relax because it invites you without her saying a word, it invites you to be at ease with yourself and comfortable in your skin and let down the need to prove or impress. And so I think we can also model it, not just for, um, you know, for, for our kids and the obvious people, but even for our friends and our communities, when everybody is is the whole conversation is going this direction of how busy we are in the fall. So crazy. And oh, no, 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 no. we could go like, yeah, I'm just scaling back. Yeah. I don't have plans this weekend. And I love it. I had to, I had to protect that, but you know, it's like, that sounds so weird, but people go, huh, is that an option? I didn't know it was. And so we can model it and lead by example, you know, which is, which is hard to do, but I think it can also be powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of time management too, what does time management look like for you when it's done specifically in partnership with God? Because I feel like there's, there's our way and then there's God's way. And sometimes those aren't necessarily in alignment and we have to really unpack whether we are working kind of on our time frame or God's and whether we're filling our days with those plans and tasks and to-dos according to what satisfies us. And like you said, kind of makes us feel like, oh, we're being so productive. We're being busy where it's almost this like performative busyness mm -hmm. versus doing what really satisfies the spirit within us and really listening to, okay, maybe, maybe the immediate obvious needs of my life right now, like having a new baby or a new job or a new house or whatever, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily those things that are making us change, but maybe it's God and the Holy spirit within us. That's calling us to a different season in our heart to kind of take a step back or shift our, shift our pace, shift our perspective, whatever the case might be. So what is, what does that time management really look like for you when you're really linking arms with, with God along the way? Yeah. I love this question because I think one of the things that's really easy to do in our culture, and we, we all do it by the way, is we swing to these extremes of it's all or nothing. It's this or that. And there are these, um, it's, it's just, it's either, or, and so for example, either you're trusting God and you have no plans at all, no schedule, no budget, no goals, because you're just trusting the Holy spirit to lead you. And you're just flying all flying blind all day, either it's that, and that is trusting God or 
you are making plans, setting goals, managing your budget, and you're just ignoring God. And you obviously hate God because you have a budget. Like it's like these crazy extremes. And so here's what I teach people all the time. You're going to work like it all depends on you and, and pray like it all depends on God. You need both. So here's what that looks like for me. Practically, practically, I manage a budget. Practically, I manage my calendar. Practically, I set goals. I make plans for the week. I I coordinate all the logistics of my life and therapies and kids. And here's where I'm going. Here's my commitments. Here's my yeses. Here's my nos. I make plans. I make plans. Now, if you want to sit down at the beginning of your week, and and we'll talk about seasons here in a second. I want to circle back to that because that's really important to this. But if you sit down and you say, okay, as I plan my week, I'm going to start my planning my week with prayer. Absolutely, that's appropriate. But what I don't want people to do is I don't want people to sit on their couch and go, I'm going to start my week with prayer. And until God tells me what to do, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to wait for Gabriel to appear in my living room and tell me how I'm supposed to schedule my Monday. Well, that's just crazy because we know that though God leads and speaks and he does, he doesn't always lead and speak on every single issue, every single minute of every single day. At some point he's going, child, go steward what I've given you. Like if you have not heard from me, just assume that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because if you're a child of God, and you're seeking him in prayer on a regular basis, if you're getting off course, he's going to tell you, he's going to check your spirit. He's going to start to give you a pull to a yes you didn't plan on or a no to something you'd already said yes to that you got to figure out how to honor that person. And Hey, I'm actually not supposed to do that. I'm sorry. I need to change my plans. So he's going to check you as you go, as you go, as you go, he's going to lead you. He can turn a moving vehicle. He can't turn a stalled car. So I just don't want people to get stuck in I got to wait in the name of, I got to hear from God. They don't do anything and they don't steward their lives because God has given us all this to steward. So for me, what it looks like on a practical level is, um, two to three times a year, I will set goals for that season. And here's what that looks like for me. So typically it's fall season, spring season. So I do it for fall in August. I do it for, um, spring in January, and then I do it for summer in May. And that's because all of those seasons are very distinctly different in my life. And it kind of follows my kid's calendar. Like I know a lot of people do. So I will sit down and I will say, okay, what does success look like in this season? What is going on right now in my life? What is important to me? What is God teaching me? What do I feel like is on my heart? What, what, what am I sensing? You know, and, and, and what, what do I want success to look like in the season? What I want success to look like this fall is very different than what it was this summer. It's very, very different from my work, from my kids, from my parenting, from how many days a week I wear makeup. It's, it's very different in the fall versus the spring versus the summer. And so I sit down and I say, okay, here's what I'm sensing in this season. And it, this looks like a journal, like literally I'll journal. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm going through in this season. Here's what, what I'm experiencing for someone. If, you know, I just, you know, in your case, for example, Erica, if you were to sit down and do this exercise right after you have your baby, you know, two, two, two weeks, how old is your baby? Six weeks, six weeks. Okay. You could do this right now. Here we go. Six weeks. Okay. <laughs> You're journaling. Here is what I'm experiencing. I have a newborn. I sleep this many hours a night. I am feeding on this type of schedule. You're in a newborn phase. So you literally journal and describe your season. You describe it. Why this is so powerful as the first step to planning anything is it helps you acknowledge the season you're in. So often we just set goals in January and then we hold our feet to the fire in November when our whole world has changed and those things aren't important anymore or or things in our life have changed. So 
you sit down and you describe your season. Here's the season I'm in. Maybe someone else just got a health diagnosis. Maybe someone else is going into a huge launch in their business. Maybe someone else is about to go on sabbatical. Describe the season you're in. Once you've described it and you've identified the season, which by the way, if anyone is listening to this right now and they have read my book, Take Back Your Time, you will know that I'm talking about my book in reverse. If I could go back and write my book again, I would write it in reverse because the season you're in is the very last thing I talk about. I would actually move that to be the first chapter. I think you start with your season and mm-hmm. you and you describe it and understand it and appreciate it and just acknowledge it before you make plans. And then, and then after you describe the season you're in, then you define success in that season. Okay, so with that in mind, I have a newborn. I just got a health diagnosis. I have a huge launch coming up, whatever it is. With that in mind, what does success look like in this season? For you, Erica, success in this season might just be bonding with your baby. That's it. Bonding with your baby, keeping your kids okay, keeping them fed. That is success in the season. You define success. So when you when you understand your season, you can then have a clearer perspective on what success should be. Success is not a clean house, a thriving business, a, you know, et cetera, full schedule with a newborn. I'm just making this up. You know, you make this yeah. up your own, but you're, I'm, you're tracking with me. So you define success in your season. And then after you define success, okay, this is what success looks like. Then the third step is you would uh, determine your priorities, decide what your priorities are. So here, now I understand my season. Here's my definition of success in relation to what I'm going through. And then here's my priorities that are going to cause that version of success to occur. And so um, in the summer, my version of success is literally having fun with my kids. That's it. That's it. Just having fun with my kids, being outside. So then I create priorities that align with that. I say no to a lot of um, work things. I say no to travel. I say um, yes to all types of outdoor activities. I then know what my priorities are, at least for that season high level. And then week by week, of course, you make decisions on what's right that week. And usually it's in relation to the season, but you might have a week that's weird, that's different. That's, you know, oh, this is one really busy work week or whatever, but it just helps you practically apply time management, but it's all through the lens of, the season you're in and your definition of success in the season, because what, 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 what I found in my own life, but I definitely found it in, in all of my research with life balance and time management is this. It's not, we think life balance is doing everything for an equal amount of time, or it's a 50, 50 split between home and work. And we know that we can do that and we still don't feel balanced. And so the whole thesis of, of take back your time is life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time all the time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And so when you do the right things at the right time, whether that's being present for your baby or launching a business or healing from surgery or whatever that is, launching, launching a new product line, you actually feel balanced. And it's not because you're doing everything all the time. It's because you're doing the right things at the right time. And you feel the sense of balance and peace that you're doing what's most important right then. And I just think that can be a really powerful uh, redefining of what balance and time management looks like in your life. But it also has practical implications of how you manage your calendar. Absolutely. And I feel like to it, that in and of itself is what linking arms with God through that process looks like, because I know, at least for me personally, the most disconnected and discouraged and frustrated and down on myself that I have ever been when managing my own time and setting goals and prior and planning a schedule and whatever is in those times where 
I was not doing the right thing at the right time. And instead had this, like, like you said, a preconceived notion of like your list of goals from the beginning of the year or whatever it might be. And instead of acknowledging the season that you're in and your actual reality, I would be sitting there going, okay, but how can I still make these things happen with this new variable in the picture? So it would be like, I just had a baby. And instead of acknowledging that I, it, it, I'm not doing this, but it would be like if I was going, okay, well, I still have to push through X, Y, Z. I still have to make this happen. I still have to do this. So how am I going to do this while I'm also having the baby instead of like completely allowing it to shift and look different, acknowledging like, actually this season is totally different and it's, it's impossible and probably foolish and also just like completely unnecessary to try to still force it all instead of allowing it to be what it's meant to be. You're exactly right. And honestly, that was my heart behind my book. It was, it's actually not about time management. It's about setting women free. Like the tagline to the book is my favorite part, the guilt-free guide to life balance, because so many women do exactly what you just described, where they are absolutely holding their feet to the fire. They're exhausted. They're anxious. They're burnout. They're resentful. They're, they're like, they're just exhausted. And it's not that like, if you just do exactly what I'm saying, you're never tired anymore. Gosh, I get tired with little kids. You are tired. But there's a different level of peace and freedom and um, and just permission that comes when you realize you you can change and adapt. When things change, things need to change. And one thing I do want to say that I forgot to say, so I'm so glad you brought it back to the Lord and brought it back to prayer, is after you make all these plans, after you describe your season, you define success, you decide what your priorities are, after all that, just know that the Holy Spirit trumps everything. So you can go about your week and God may bring an interruption to your week as he often does. And you didn't plan on it. You didn't see it coming. You always submit to God's prompting. So if you had not planned to do something and God pulls you to do it, you always submit to the Holy Spirit's prompting. That's where I'm saying like when Gabriel does appear, when when the Holy Spirit does leave, when you (laughs) do feel that pull or that call or the Lord speaks to you, always submit your plans, always always follow and obey him, but we're just not going to sit around and wait on that. And if, if he's not giving us a specific word on something, just assume that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. And I will say that, um, you know, one of the most common questions I'm asked Erica is, um, how do you know it's God? How do you know it's God or, or what, what if God is not speaking to you? And the thing that the, the simplest answer, I mean, we could dig into it of like, you know, if, if how you hear from the Lord, if you're not, and you want to, and, and so on, a great, book and Bible study is discerning the voice of God by Priscilla Shar. I've read it like three times. I love it so much, but, but at the most basic level, the simplest answer is if God hasn't told you to do something different, just assume that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. And I know that that's hard if you're in a job you don't like, or a season you don't like, but just assume that if God's not told you differently, it's like your GPS. It's not telling you turn right until it's time to turn right. So just assume you're on the right track. I think sometimes we obsess over being in God's will and God's like, Hey, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. Like, don't freak out. Like when you need to move, I'll tell you to move. And until then, just keep on the path you're on. You're doing great. Yeah. And I think the important, an important key there too, is if you are checking in via prayer, then that's when you can kind of assume that. Because I think also there's kind of like a a misconception that some people might have where like, if you're, if you're just not hearing anything, you're all good, but make sure that you are actually asking God too, like, Hey, is this, am I on the right track? Cause I feel like if you're, if you're in a posture where that is what you are actively seeking and your heart is open to that, it's a little different than if someone is completely like 
shut off and and so hell bent on being on their own path that they actually don't really want to hear if they're oh, for not sure. if they're supposed to go a different direction. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, if you're seeking the Lord, he yeah. will not let you go wrong. Now, if you're not seeking him, he will let you reap the consequences of your decisions. He will let you reap what you sow. But if you're seeking him, he will not let you go wrong. He's not this gotcha kind of God that's hiding from you. Like if you're seeking him and you're genuinely asking him, show me your ways, show me your will, lead my steps, you know, lead my day. He will, he will guide you as you go. And I think so often we just worry that, that he's going to like, like he's hiding from us. He's not hiding from us. He wants to be heard by us. All we have to do is seek him and he will show us the way that we should go. But yeah, if we're not seeking him, or we don't listen when he does prompt us again and again and again, then yeah, he'll let us experience the consequences. And that's one of those, those are those moments where you go, oh, I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't listen. And then you feel you get the fruit of that. And that fruit is bitter every time. And yeah, he'll let you experience that. But man, if you, I love how um, Lisa Bevere says, if you think that you have blown God's plans for your life, you, my friend, are not that powerful. If you're seeking him, which is your only job in the world is just to seek him seek him. If you seek him, he will not lead you wrong. He will not. Yeah. So what, especially for fellow ladies like us who are also ambitious, do have these big dreams, big plans also while still, you know, raising babies, running businesses, all that good stuff. What has helped you feel to not just even feel, but to truly be more present, like truly present when these seasons have shifted And when maybe you're in a season where you are just totally focused on your kids and you, you love what you do for work, you love your business, you love all of the different things that you are doing. You're maybe not able to actively be as in that right now in this season for whatever reason, what helps you kind of keep your mindset focused on where you are at instead of always thinking in the back of your head, okay, well, what is coming up next for X, Y, Z, or should I be, should I still be doing this? Or how can I, how can I still weave a little bit of this in and instead just really let yourself have peace where you are. If it is a season that feels not as, not as, not as full in some ways, but still full in other ways, if that makes sense. If that makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. No, I love this question. And it's such a good question. Here's what I'll say my mind never stops. And I, (laughs) I, I, I I never stop. I'm creative. I actually, I mean, I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but um, I'm not scared to, but this fall at some point, I'm going to schedule an ADHD evaluation because I'm pretty sure it runs in my family. Um, My middle son has ADHD and I, it's like, I was not aware of it, Erica, until I left Ramsey and all my structures were taken away. And so like when I was at Ramsey for 12 years, I was told where to be, when to be there, what to say, what to do for every minute of my life. And I thrived in that. Honestly, like I thrived. I was like, I could, I could run hard. I could work hard. I could work long hours and I could be anywhere. Anyone would be when they just tell me what to do. I didn't have to And now running my own business from home with kids and all my structure was taken away, all my support, all my, everything was taken away. I literally, the description I tell people is like, it feels like I'm floating in outer space. I like, I need some handles to hold on to because it just feels like my days are like, oh my gosh, I'm grasping to like get some structure to it. So all that says, like, I think that maybe I'm an extreme example because of the way my brain is wired. And I'm, I'm looking into that just to understand myself more. But one of the things that I think is key is I know my brain cannot do it on its own. So what I do is I put systems in place. 
where I had systems at Ramsey or structures at Ramsey, I'm now creating systems. So I have a business manager that helps me in my business, keep all the details in the organization, the Zoom links, the calendar invites like this one right here. I know that I'm not good at that. Um, I have a house now, granted, I know everybody can't have this, but I have a house assistant that works part-time at my house and she helps me keep my house stuff in order because it just, my brain is just all over the place. Um, when it comes to being present with people, I have to physically put my phone out of sight. I have to put it out of sight. If it is in my eyesight on the table, in my pocket, in my hand, I will look at it because it's just, it's just pulling me to be distracted. Like it is all of us, by the way, it's training our brain to be distracted. So that's not just me. I, all that to say is if you cannot focus, it's not your fault. It may be the brain, way your brain is smart. It may just be you're conditioned by society and social media and having 9 million people yell at you all day for moms that you're just, your brain is all over the place. So the best thing you can do if you want to be present for whatever these things are is to put systems and structures in place to help you be successful. Like, like we would do with anything, right? Like if we don't want to eat sweets, don't buy them and put them in the pantry. Like if you don't want to stare at your phone, put it physically out of sight, put it upstairs on the charger, put it in a box on your counter, um, close your computer and put it out of sight, physically move to a different room. If you want to play with your kids and there's something distracting you take them outside. So for me, um, like for example, this afternoon, great, great example this afternoon, Kaylee, my house assistant is going to do the round the world tour to do my pickup for my kids today. Some days she does it. Some days I do it today. She's doing it. I'm going to go to a coffee shop and write. I have a bunch of writing to do. If I write here at the office, all of them running outside my office will distract me. I can't focus. Even if she is watching them at the time, I can't focus. So I'm going to physically move locations to be in a coffee shop with headphones in AirPods. If I can find them from church, put some headphones <laughs> in and I'm going to write. And so for me, it really comes down to, if I want to be present, I have to have structures in place to help me be present. I, I genuinely can't do it on my own. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just being honest. I can't. Honestly, though, I think that goes right back to the very beginning where we said it's all about being real and we put this pressure on ourselves. I don't know if it's just us as women or my, it's, I think it's honestly, I think it's so much to do with just being a woman. Cause it's just, it's a thread of how we are and how we mm -hmm. operate, but we put so much pressure on ourselves to be able to do it all, especially in today's society where it's like, we have it, we, we see it as like a sign of weakness sometimes if we are asking for help because we yeah. think like, no, I'm supposed to be able to run my business and run my house and run all my family around everywhere. And it's like, no, you're allowed, you're allowed to. And honestly, it's so good if you can just ask for help and put your, put up the white flag and be like, you know what? I am only human and I can only do so much. And it's not on me to actually be doing all of these things all at the same time. And like asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's totally a sign of strength and being able to acknowledge where your strengths are, even in a given season. So I love that you just mentioned well, all the different ways that you ask for help too, because I'm like, not enough people accept it. Right. And you know, what's interesting about like, so about the phones and distractions, since that's probably the biggest source of distraction. I just thought of this when you were talking, Erica, but it's so interesting. Um, and there's lots of people that could probably highlight the research way better than I can, but because our brain is always, um, changing, you know, it's, it's, it's always changing and creating new grooves based on our behaviors and our input and all of that. Our children's are, but ours, ours are as well. What's so interesting is we have trained ourselves to have a different threshold of input where now we, we almost, and I know this sounds extreme, but it's almost like we just, we get bored easier and we don't know how to be bored. And so for example, 
if you've trained yourself to look at two screens at a time, meaning you're watching a show with your husband and you're scrolling your phone, then if you try to train yourself to not have your phone so you can totally focus on the show or your conversation or whatever, it feels it feels less than because your capacity has increased so much to your point of like, we we're, we're used to running and gunning and we've got 50 tabs open on our computer in our brain at all times that when we only have two, we almost feel like bored or unsettled. Like we need to create more chaos. And yeah. often we will open more tabs. We will open more screens. We will try to multitask because there's, there's this adrenaline that comes with it. And this, even the hormones that come with it, like this, um, pleasure reward loop in our brain. It's like, oh, that feels good to feel productive. It feels good to multitask. It feels good to feel like, wow, I can do it all. And so we create those scenarios more. And when we have, if we have by some miracle, one tab open in our brain or, or by, by a miracle, we only have one thing going on at a time. We, we, we will create more because of the way that we've been functioning for so long. So you get in an elevator and you don't know how to just stand there for three floors. You don't know how yeah. to stand in an elevator without pulling out your phone. You don't know how to just stand because your brain is so used to running at that level. And the reality is that level is what's creating so much anxiety in our culture and it's leading to exhaustion and burnout and it's not fun, but it does require again, swimming upstream. It requires going against this, this, uh, pull to just fill up our brain all the time. It, it truly goes to like allowing ourselves to be a little bored, to not pull out your phone, to only do one thing at a time and retraining your brain that that is okay. It is good. It is restful. Um, I did a, a podcast episode on this recently about rest where I was, um, I was just so worn out and I kept thinking I need more sleep. I need to go to bed earlier. And even if I would get the sleep, I was still so exhausted. I thought the Lord speak to me. And he said, Christy, rest is not sleep. Rest is how you go through your day. And I thought, Oh, that's a word. It's the pace that you go through your day. It's the pace of the input of your, your mind. And so it will feel a little less than a little bored, a little, like, almost like you're kind of naked. Like, oh my gosh, am I, am I, am I, to your point, am I not productive enough that I'm only doing one thing at a time instead of 50, but man, I think there's unbelievable fruit in the restfulness that we would go throughout our day. How much more patient would we be? How much more would we enjoy the moments? And to your point, be present in the moments when we don't have those 50 tabs open. But again, it takes retraining our brain, going against culture and putting structures in place where our phone is not an option for us to be able to even have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Oh, that is so, so, so good. And I think it's, it's important too, like what you said, it's to kind of call out that if you're putting something in another room and kind of what feels like forcing it at first, that's yes. okay because it's yes. not going to like naturally be something where you're no. like, Oh, I, this feels good. I feel okay with this. Like you're going to feel that, that dissonance at first where you're like, Ooh, this is really hard. Or it's like a really detox comfortable. Yes. So yes. like, let, if you have to force it, like, don't be embarrassed by it. Let it happen. Throw your phone in another room, do whatever you got to do. And like literally sit there <laughs> with your hands underneath, like sitting on your hands, yes. forcing yourself to just to, to be, and then know that it won't necessarily be un be comfortable being like that for a hot second, but it will probably and hopefully get a little bit more comfortable as time goes on. As like you said, like literally as you detox through it. <laughs> yes, that's such a good point. Yeah, at first it will be hard, and if anything, the difficulty of it will probably force you to face how much you depend on it, yeah. how much you depend on that input, you depend on that device, you depend on the distraction, whatever, and it it can kind of be sobering where you're like. Oh, I don't like that about myself. But it, 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 to me, I would hope that it would even give you more resolve to stick through the difficulty of it because you don't want that dependence. So that's how I feel when I, when I experience those times. 
Yes. Oh, so good. Well, Christine, getting things all wrapped up, I want to ask you something. We ask everyone to close out the show, which is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? You know, I love the, I love the word. I love how active it is. I would say my, my first just gut response is to obey the Lord. And I know that that sounds probably not as exciting as thrive, like thrive and obedience. Those don't go together, but I just, I just really believe, I really, really believe, even though this sounds like a Sunday school answer, I really believe that God is good. And the implication of that is if he is good, then what he's telling me to do is good. It is thriving. And so if obedience looks like giving money that feels really hard to give or saying no to something that I really want to do or trusting in something that is really vulnerable or forgiving when I want to bite back, I just, I think that thriving is being who he's, he wants me to be and who he's telling me to be because I can trust that he is good and I am not. And when I do what he wants me to do, that is thriving. So as Sunday school and Miss America pageant, as that sounds, that's really what I believe. I really do. I really believe it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Chris, you tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more, to grab your books, check out your coaching, all that good stuff. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, we, so we've talked a lot about time management. I will say I, uh, there's a workbook that goes along with take back your time and you don't have to have the book to have the workbook, but if you want the workbook that has all these exercises we're talking about, you can go to christywright.com slash time and download the workbook that goes with the book, take back your time, whether you have the book or not, it walks you through these exercises. So that would be great for your season and your priorities and all that good stuff. Um, but everything else is Christy B. Wright or on Instagram at Christy B. Wright. I'm sorry, christywright.com or on Instagram at Christy B. Wright. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.